welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are having a great Monday if you're listening on Monday or just a great day whenever you're listening. As always, today's episode is one that I have never really done fully in depth and one that I have quite honestly been putting off doing and I'll kind of explain why that is, but it is an episode all about my personal faith, my testimony, and how I've kind of made my relationship with God my own as a Christian This is a very requested episode and actually something that I get requested a lot to do even like YouTube videos about and talk more about on my Instagram and so I figured I would do a whole episode. I did one of these episodes on my relationship with money, my relationship with work, my relationship with fitness and health, but quite honestly my faith is the biggest part of my life. It is the thing that is the most important for me. It is the thing that has influence my life the most and influences the rest of my life in such a deep way. And so it's an episode that I have wanted to do, but always have felt kind of intimidated to do. I think as a Christian, I know that I don't know everything and I never want to come off as judgmental. I never want to come off as pushy. But the farther that I get along with this podcast. This is just the episode that I always felt was missing because it's such a big part of my life and I get so many questions about faith and, you know, how to become closer to God, how to actually start a relationship as a Christian with God. And so I wanted to do this one. It's more so just about my personal journey, how I became a Christian, why I'm a Christian, and then pivotal parts of my faith or like my journey with faith throughout college and up until now and kind of how it impacts my career. So I usually go into like how it impacts all realms of my life, but for this episode, I'm just going to do career because quite honestly, I have a lot to talk about. It's a very personal episode, a very vulnerable episode, and my hope is just that it will, one, share more about me if you're interested in my life and the things that have really influenced my upbringing. I think this will be interesting. I know not everyone who listens to this podcast is a Christian, so obviously this is like the warning. This is a very faith-based episode. You don't have to listen if that's not your thing. I totally understand, but it is such a big part of my life, and so I just felt like I couldn't keep going on doing episodes about all these things that are really important to me, but then not talking about my faith. I sprinkle my faith in my videos here and there. I always include verses in my videos. I talk about things I'm reading, but I don't really do like dedicated religious videos. And I'll also kind of talk about that here at the end of this podcast and kind of how my faith influences my life here as a creator, a content creator, an influencer, whatever you want to call it. I hate the word influencer. So I just wanted to kind of give a little backstory to my faith. I think faith is something that's so personal and it used to be really cut and dry for me when I was younger, but the older I get, the more I realize faith is a constant journey. It's something that you wrestle with literally every single day. It's not just like a one and done thing. It's something that live out and evolves over time. And so this is just my personal journey. It's not meant to judge anyone. It's not meant to make anyone feel pressure. I'm just sharing this because I share a lot of things that are close to my heart with you guys, and so I really just wanted this episode to be from my heart. I'm not an authority. I don't know everything. I'm not a pastor. I have not been to seminary, so these are just things that I have learned along my journey and things that I wanted to share with you guys, but I just want to start off with a little kind of where I'm at in the world this week. I'm going to do this one pretty short because this episode I think is going to be a longer one. I got very passionate typing out the outline to this one, so I think I have a lot to talk about. One, I wanted to say I'm so thankful in my last episode I talked about how I'm looking to hire someone to actually run a podcast Instagram and also someone to help me run my podcast in general and help me with editing, and I got so many people who reached out, so many people who sent in applications. I don't have like a 
formal application process. I just asked if anyone was interested and I got quite a few emails. So thank you so much. I have put these in a folder for when I'm actually ready to hire someone. And when that time comes, I will reach back out. But if you are interested, a lot of people were just emailing my like normal business email. I actually would prefer them to be on but what's next at gmail.com. So that's just but B-U-T what's w-h-a-t-s next n-e-x-t at gmail.com so that is where you can send them if you are interested i'm still feeling very motivated this week i've been on like a motivated productive kick over the past couple of weeks and i still feel that but i kind of did want to take a break with this episode and just sharing something that doesn't really like add any monetary value to my podcast it doesn't you know, fit with the normal things that I talk about because it is just something that's important to me. And I think whenever you have this job, you have to balance out. This is something I talk about on the podcast, but you have to balance sharing content that is content that you want to share, but also sharing content that other people want to hear. This is one that I think is definitely both, but I did just want to take a break and kind of do this episode. So I wanted to start off this episode just by kind of sharing how I became a Christian. If you guys don't know, people usually call this like your testimony. It's how you became a Christian, kind of your story, your background. And so I wanted to start off with that. But to give you some context, I have always grown up in a Christian home. My parents were both Christians and really taught us Christianity from a young age. I just regularly grew up with my parents actually speaking to us about God. So they would always put us to sleep. We would read Bible verses together. We'd read like stories. They would really explain about God and how Jesus was someone who died for our sins. And we just spent a lot of evenings really talking about faith. It was something that was very natural for me growing up. And I just always grew up seeing the way that my parents lived out their faith. And it never felt like something that my parents compartmentalized where it was like, okay, this is their Sunday time. And then during the week, this was their time to focus on work, whatever. It was always something that was really integrated within their daily life. So prayer was a huge part of my parents' lives. I just always grew up with my mom praying before we would like go on trips, you know, before our first day of school, before dinner, we would always eat dinner together. My parents would pray over the meal They would pray whenever they were scared about something. They would pray whenever they were struggling with something. And if I was ever struggling with something, my parents always said, you know, like, hey, let's sit down and pray about this. Prayer was never a taboo thing. It was always something that was really natural. And I became accustomed to learning about prayer through my parents. I also grew up just seeing my parents live out their faith. So my mom was someone, and I've talked about this in a lot of episodes, but just really selfless. Like my mom would literally do anything for anyone. She would cook you a meal. She would give you the clothes off her back. She would be there when you needed her. Like when I struggled with insomnia in college, my mom flew up to New York to be with me, but not in a way of like a helicopter parent, if you will. I definitely felt like we were very independent growing up, but I always knew I could come to my mom with anything to talk about and I would be met with love and grace and never judgment. And I just always remember feeling that way with my mom. My mom is a very just nurturing, kind, but also a very independent person. And my dad, I just remember always seeing my dad working very diligently, but then he would always be home at night to eat dinner with us, to hang out with us as kids. And he really prioritized the family time while also being such a hard worker. Another thing about my dad, my dad would literally never complain about 
anything. He would never say anything negative about anyone. He's like the nicest and not in a cheap, nice way, but just really has a pure heart where I don't think he thinks that badly about anyone. And it's something that I really respect my dad for because I definitely don't think that I have as pure of a heart as he does. And I always remember that my dad would apologize for things, which is just such a simple thing. But I think as a kid, when you see your parents being humble and admitting that they have a weakness or they made a mistake, it just really ingrained in me that one, it's okay to apologize and it makes you a better person to apologize. And two, you know, whenever I was dating, I really wanted someone who apologized to me like my dad did when he was in the wrong. My parents would always tithe their money. So my parents would always tithe 10%. I remember my mom would like bring this check every Sunday or once a month every Sunday and she would tithe their money. And I just kind of saw these elements of Christian practices by seeing my parents live them out. And something that was really important also for my family was going to church every Sunday. And I mean every Sunday. Even when we weren't feeling it, even when I would have a sleepover, my parents wanted me to be back on Sunday because I had to go to church. It was very much a priority of my family and I didn't always want to do it. I didn't always like doing it. It was never something that I resented. I never resented my parents because we had to go to church, but it was very much something that we did. It was a discipline. It wasn't just going to go. It was a part of our week and it was a very important part of our week. Acts 2.42, you see the early disciples actually devoting themselves to being surrounded by other believers and listening to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And even when they didn't actually have a church, Acts 2.46 says, you know, that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so I always grew up knowing that church was something that was very important and something that I saw my parents doing. And I would say I was around the age of seven when things kind of started clicking about Christianity. This wasn't the way that everyone lived. I definitely saw that my parents had a very different life for us and were teaching us a different life. And so I remember I started having these questions of, you know, who is God? Who is Jesus? What is sin? Why do we even need to be saved from our sin? Why does it matter that Jesus died? And what is this aspect of grace? And I know I was really young. I mean, seven is really young. And I don't think I fully understood at this age what it actually meant to be a Christian. But this was the age when I really started to kind of question Christianity and question what I was listening to at church, questioning all these different aspects of Christianity. And this was the age where I really felt my parents started to explain the gospel to me. And so I wanted to kind of share what I personally believe as a Christian, what I think it means to be a Christian. And this is actually from Desiring God. It's a website. They have a lot of different resources. But I just wanted to do kind of like a quick summary. If you don't know what it means to be a Christian, and I know everyone has a different definition, but this is like what it is for me. Number one is that God created us for his glory. And so Isaiah 43, 6 through 7, it says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. There's this aspect that we as humans are actually created in the image of God, and we are image bearers of the God who created us. Number two, this means that we should live for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And number three is that we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And I think this is the thing that I knew from the early age that I was not perfect. I think we all know that we have 
we have inclinations, we desire things that aren't good for us, we are not perfect. And Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 1.21-23 says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. And number five is actually kind of like the pivotal moment of faith, but it's John 3.16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So then this is kind of the most important part, and it's that, you know, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to cleanse us of our sins. And number six is that eternal life is a free gift from God as Lord and Savior of our lives. Acts 16.31 says that believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Romans 10 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians 2 8 through 9 says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Um, so at the age of seven, I actually prayed this prayer to put my faith and trust in God as my Lord and Savior that he would come into my heart. And, you know, I used to feel kind of guilty that my testimony was so simple. Because I know that there are people who are saved from crazy addictions or they come out of like this different life and at like a later age and they just have like this really intense testimony. And for a while, I never really wanted to talk about mine because I just felt, you know, oh, I was raised in a Christian home and my parents really taught me Christianity and I came to Christ at a young age. And it just seemed really simple. But the older that I get, the more I realize that everyone's story is so different how they come to faith. And obviously in that moment, my faith was not as strong as it was as a seven-year-old. I didn't know everything and I still don't know everything, but I do know a lot more than I did back then. And my faith has actually gone through trials and it's been sharpened and strengthened. And, you know, at times it has weakened and at times it has not been as strong, very much so. And I'll talk about those times here in a little bit. But this is the pivotal moment where I really did give my life to Christ. And that's okay. And if you come from a story or a background and yours is very similar, that's okay too. I mean, this is kind of how we plan to raise our kids one day. I thought my parents did a really good job. I love the way that I was raised. And, I think they did such a good job and it's honestly intimidating having kids one day because I felt like I was raised really well. And obviously my upbringing wasn't perfect, but I do think my parents did a good job. So it makes me a little intimidated for us to have kids one day. I also think it's really interesting that whenever we're talking about like religion and faith and God, one book that really shaped my understanding of faith was Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. Tim Keller is a really well-known pastor. He actually founded Redeemer Presbyterian, which is a church in New York City and the church that I went to in New York City. But he has this book, and if you are like questioning Christianity or interested in Christianity or just want a good read, I think it's a really awesome read. He's a really, really good writer, so I'd highly recommend. I'll have it in the show notes. But I remember reading this passage in college and it really did solidify the fact that everyone worships something and I worship God. I worship the things that I worship, but you know, you don't get to choose if you worship or not. You naturally do worship something. And it says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. 
and an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of god or spiritual thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly and when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power and you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect being seen as smart. You will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And you know, those things aren't necessarily bad, power, intellect, money, But Augustine really talks about this aspect of disordered love. So when you take something that's meant to be loved in a certain capacity and you love it too much, it becomes a bad thing. And I think that's true when we worship things that aren't necessarily meant to have our worship. We're not necessarily meant to live for. And I struggle with this too, where things really become an idol in my life, even as a Christian. And so I just think that this is really true. And You know, it's interesting just to think about what it means to actually worship a God above these things. I now want to go into kind of like pivotal moments of my faith journey, times when I felt like my faith was really strengthened, just things that I remember from my past that really made my faith my own. The first thing was my mom's accident in eighth grade. This is something that I've touched on in a couple of episodes, but My mom is a runner and she was running one morning at I think like 630 in the morning and she was crossing the road and she was hit by a car going 40 miles per hour. She hit the car, like flew over the top of the car, fell 10 feet behind the car and there was like 15 minutes where we just didn't even know if she was alive. It is a very traumatic event of my past and really the first time where I felt that life was something that could be ended. It was the first time when I had a real moment that affected me like that. I don't think my life has always been totally easy. It's been easier in comparison to other people's lives, but this was the moment that really did test my faith. It was the first time when I really learned, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? If God is good, why does he allow things like this to happen to people who are good? It was the first time where I felt really intense fear and anxiety And my mom actually got through it. She broke her shoulder and some ribs and was definitely really screwed up on her face. She had to get a lot of like face restructuring done, but she lived. And it was one of those things that really made me question my faith. And the first time that I experienced real trials, because the Bible does talk about going through trials. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And I'm not memorizing these verses, by the way. These are ones that I'm reading. I should have all these memorized, but I don't. So that is why I'm reading them. The second biggest time, this was probably the biggest time in my life, was when I went to college. I think there's something about when you leave your family, you go to college, you're learning new things, you're around people who come from very different walks of life than you do. You really are challenged in your faith and questioning aspects of your faith and questioning things that you believe. I think the older you get, this happens too. But I went to a Christian college. I went to the King's College in New York City. It was a liberal arts college, or it is a liberal arts college that is very theology-based. So I took a Hebrew literature class. I took a New Testament class. I took a historical theology class. I took a lot of Bible classes. And this was really good for me because I really learned more about the Bible itself and the context of it and the words that are used and the Hebrew meaning of those words and why 
you know, there's so much evidence for the Bible being a sound, you know, teaching for Christianity and actually learning how those things shape different spheres of life, like the marketplace, like philosophy, like history. It was a very intellectual time of my life in terms of just learning about all these things. But at the same time, this was a time in my life where I felt very distant in terms of having a personal relationship with God because I was so intimidated by the Bible. I was intimidated that I didn't know enough. You know, these are people who were scholars that I was learning from, and I just felt I don't have enough context. I don't know all the background on it, that I can't really read this as something that can, like, encourage me throughout the day. I can't necessarily study this because I just will never know enough. I felt so intimidated by the Bible, and it really made me lack a relationship with God because I was so focused on that. And I think this is an example of what Tim Keller was saying of kind of using something as an idol, like that intellect of wanting to know absolutely everything about the Bible before trusting it was an idol in my life. And I just felt too intimidated to use the Bible and was just focused so much on the legalistic side of the Bible that I didn't feel like I had a deep relationship with God. I wasn't praying as much. I just felt like you know, the things that I learned growing up, everything just became a lot more nuanced in my head, which it is. And I think it's good to learn about the context of things because you can get to know it better. You know, at the end of the day, this is a God who desires to have a relationship with us. This is a God who sent his only son to die for us. So obviously he cares for us and wants to have our undivided attention. The Bible talks about him being a jealous God. If that's the kind of God that I worship, I shouldn't let things like this intimidate me. It should pull me into wanting to learn more, but also keeping that connection that I have in my prayer time and the way that I read my Bible and the way that I journal. And that's something that I really struggled with my freshman year of college. So then my sophomore year of college, something that really helped my personal relationship with God was my struggle with insomnia. I talked about this in my last episode, but I really did struggle with insomnia in such a deep way where I like could not fall asleep at night. Every single time I get in my bed, I would just have these thoughts of fear and anxiety, fear about the next day, fear about what am I going to do after college, fear of what if all this that I'm, you know, setting up for myself fails, fear of like not having friends, just intense fear and anxiety that would keep me up at night. And I went a year of struggling with like hardcore insomnia, feeling so tired all the time, feeling like I did not know where to put my trust in. And I just didn't have that aspect of rest. I didn't have that aspect of being able just to fully let my guard down at night. And it really makes me think of this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And for some context, Paul is actually writing to the church in Corinth. And the church was going through a lot of growing pains. They were struggling with division, with quarrels, and he was really trying to promote unity within the body. And this verse says that, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when you're obedience is complete. And I love how this verse talks about taking every thought captive because this was such a big moment in my struggle with anxiety, something that I struggled with a lot. Phrase of taking every thought captive was so important for my struggle with anxiety. I really had to learn how to take those thoughts 
captive and know that this is not something that's from God. You know, these thoughts of fear, these thoughts of questioning my confidence in Christ, these thoughts of being so anxious and feeling so disconnected from God. These are not things that are from God. These are from the enemy. And it really is a spiritual battle. And so my sophomore year of college, I distinctly remember every single morning I would read this passage in the Bible. I would read it in the library at school because I literally felt like I had to fully rely on this passage because I was so tired. I was so anxious because I wasn't sleeping. And I just really was trying to ask God to deliver me from all these things that I was struggling from. It's Matthew six twenty five through 33, and it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And I remember, I would just recite that phrase of consider the lilies. And every time I felt, you know, that anxiety coming up in my head, I would say, consider the lilies, consider the lilies. And I would picture this field of lilies that couldn't even care less because they knew that their God was watching out for them. And it really did help me. It really did help me bring myself into a relationship with God, a personal relationship. Another thing that I really studied in college was St. Augustine. We read this book, it's the Confessions of St. Augustine, and he personally struggled with a lot of vice in his life that he overcame, and he became a priest, but he has this line in one of his books, and it says, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, and I'm literally getting emotional (laughs) talking about this because I truly felt that before I had that personal deep relationship with God, my heart was just, you know, yearning for rest in something, and it couldn't find it in the podcasts I was listening to, it couldn't find it in the affirmation of humans, it couldn't find it in the wealth I was building for myself, it couldn't find it in the world, but it could find it in God. And it was such a pivotal moment for my faith and my journey on just relying on God. Another big part was actually just finding a church on my own. You know, before I had always gone to the church that my family had gone to. So in college, this is the first time that I was actually trying to find like a church family to go to that was a place I could meet other Christians because I do think it's important to be around other Christians as a Christian. And surprisingly, New York City actually has a lot of churches. I think there's a misconception that New York City doesn't have a lot of churches, but there are so many in New York City. And I always grew up going to a non-denominational church. I really became disenchanted, especially after kind of learning more about the Bible and how special the Bible was and how it's worthy of our respect. And, you know, we're meant to worship in a certain way. And so I kind of grew disenchanted with church services that mirrored what I would get from like a self-help podcast. I felt like they were so me focused and so focused on making congregants just feel good. And I felt that the gospel and the words in the Bible just had a deeper meaning than that. And I actually came across this article the other day. It's actually by, his name is Ben Sixsmith, and it's in Spectator US. But this guy who wrote this actually isn't a Christian. He used to go to church, but he's not. But he was talking about how he was so confused why churches and kind of like Christian leaders really started to mimic the same things that were said in like our culture. But he says, this is a quote from it, 
It says, still, it seems to represent what I call the with a twist of Christianity trend. There is mainstream culture, celebrities, fashion, music, and a message of self-love, but with a twist of Christianity. And he ends with this. It says, so if Christianity is such an inessential add-on, why become a Christian? I'm not religious, so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there's nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. And I remember we stumbled across this one church, Redeemer Presbyterian, and it was so different. It was so different because you had physical pamphlets when you walked in. They had a liturgy. Whenever we read the Bible, we would stand up. We would recite confessionals. We would recite things that have been, you know, said over years and years in the early church. And whenever we would take communion, so when we would take the body and the blood of Christ, as people do whenever they are Christians, there was such a big process to it. We would say certain things, and it just felt so much different than anything I had grown up doing, and it made me really appreciate faith in Christianity much more. The music was very traditional. It was a lot of hymns. It was something that I was really seeking out, but I didn't realize I was. And it reminded me of this article and this guy said, you know, why are churches trying to become like the people who aren't Christians? Like, why would that make non-Christians want to be Christians if they're just trying to look like them. And I found this church that really just seemed set apart. It seemed different. And so we went there, me and Aiden, for three years when we were in New York City. It's pretty much always where we went. We joined a community group. We got to meet other Christians. And this was a point in my life where I really felt like I stopped just seeing my faith as a personal thing. It became something that, okay, I am going to this church that talks about you know, serving other people, that talks about serving your city, that talks about giving your money, that talks about actually caring for other people. And if God cares for us this much to send his only son to die on the cross, and we're called to be like Jesus, who was selfless, we need to be more selfless in our actions. And I started pivoting from this Christianity that was very kind of like self-help, self-love, which aren't necessarily bad things, but when that's your gospel, you know, you're not actually changing the world. And so I started volunteering at this point. I started tithing my money, which means giving 10% of all your income to the church. I started really focusing on my relationships more and just kind of pouring myself outward beyond just pouring myself inward. Because I think we all have a tendency to just focus on ourselves. And this is like an ongoing thing that I deal with. And even lately during COVID, it's obviously a lot harder to pour yourself outward, but I don't want that to be an excuse to just focus on myself. And so this was my senior year of college and into my first post-grad year after college where I really felt this shift in my faith. And now we actually go to another Presbyterian church here in Dallas. And I don't necessarily know if I am Presbyterian or a certain sect of Christianity, But I just really appreciate kind of the appreciation that these churches have for the way that things are done and and respect for the Bible. So I just really, really was happy to find Redeemer. And I always get questions about New York City churches. But if you are in New York City, I really love Redeemer. They have quite a few locations and it just holds a very special place in my heart. And there are a couple of verses that make me think of this. This one is John 13. This one is in John 13, but it says that Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This one is Hebrews 10, 23-25. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I do want to make a distinction that None of these good works are one meant to save you. I don't believe that you can, you know, work your way to heaven. But the Bible does talk about people knowing of your faith by your works and the way that you live your life. And so it's for that reason, but also not ever to boast about, you know, look how good I am for caring so much about other people. Like that is so antithetical to the gospel. And I kind of want to talk about that too in this aspect of just humility. But I really like how these verses emphasize building up and loving one another and stirring up one another, not bitterness and resent and seeking to tear other people down because that is not my message. And I don't think that that has anything to do with Christianity. But another book that really influenced my faith was one that I read in college and, and it's called To Love As God Loves. And it was actually about the early Christian monasteries, which is something that I never thought I would be interested in. But this book is really good. And it had this, you know, two cents about humility. It says, humility itself is countercultural. It wreaks havoc with all individualistic values. It is not a live and let live attitude. It does not say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It does not believe that Christian values are purely subjective, each person negotiating her or his own values with God in private. It calls for the renunciation of all deep attachments to what the world holds dear, good social advancement, the satisfaction of appetites at the expense of others, the right to dominate others in any personal relationship. And that book really talks a lot about living your life in a way that shows God's love and shows the love that he has for us, and I really like it. So I'll also have that one in the show notes, but... I just want to say I think the reason why I have been kind of scared to do this episode and never felt qualified was I never wanted to look like I was trying to be perfect because I am not perfect. I make so many mistakes. While my faith is such a big part of my life and it influences the way that I speak about other people, it influences the way I spend my money, my career, my relationships, you know, how I view family and kids. I still struggle with conceit. I still struggle with materialism. I still struggle with jealousy, anger, bitterness, pride. And while I seek to improve on these things, I'm not perfect. But I think that's what Christianity is about, is admitting that you're not perfect and admitting that you can never be your own savior and that you are in need of saving because we are not perfect and because we fall short. And so you know, I believe that the Bible isn't just a big list of rules, but it's a way of living that God knows is best for me and knows that is going to be the most prosperous for me, but also for his glory. And so that is the way that I choose to live my life. But it doesn't mean that it comes without faults. I never want to come on here and put myself on a pedestal because that also I feel like is antithetical to Christianity. We are not perfect. And that's the whole premise is admitting that we aren't, but admitting that we are indeed trying. And I know with the grace of God and, you know, the continuous mercy that he has whenever I make mistakes, that I am accountable to him and him alone. And I try not to judge other people and I try not to cast judgment, but just as other people try not to, 
I can't dwell on their judgment when they do because I am accountable to him and him alone. Obviously, my faith has a big impact on my work because this is my work. You know, I have really struggled with not necessarily wanting all my content to be faith-based or about Christianity, but because I do vlog my life, I do share a lot of things that I've learned on this podcast. It's such a big part of who I am and I do share it pretty often because I don't feel like I'm being genuine and true to myself when I'm not. And I'm reading this book right now. It's so good. I've been telling everyone to read it, but it's called Garden City, Work, Rest, and the Art of Being Human. It's by John Comer or Comer. I might be saying that wrong. It is so good. It talks a lot about how we as Christians are meant to work and rest and view our work and rest. It talks a lot about finding your calling and I really like it because I've always felt this pressure as a Christian that you need to be in some sort of like ministry work. So you need to work in a nonprofit or you need to work at a church. You need to be a pastor. You need to be a counselor. You need to be these things. But he talks about how he has this uh, little section that says, but abad is also the same word used all over the Hebrew Bible for worship. Interesting. So work and worship aren't two separate ideas. They are connected at the hip. They are two translations of the same word. It's tragic that we think of worship as a few songs at church every Sunday. That is worship, but in a Genesis-shaped worldview, all of life is worship. When you go to work every day, at least if it's the garden kind of work, it's an act of worship to the God who made you. God cares about your work. It's important. Even if that work is mundane, not seemingly being ministry-based. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a waitress, a carpenter, or a pastor, a banker, a marketing specialist, like God cares about what we do. And even though I'm not in a ministry job, I can share my faith in parts of my content. And that is what I'm doing today with this podcast. I really like this book because he talks a lot about finding your calling and he has this section that says, does it contribute to human flourishing? Is it good for the earth? Good for you? Good for your city, your nation, your world? Good for culture? Does it take raw materials of planet earth, metal and wood and wind and words and ideas and rearranges them into a place where image bearers can thrive in a relationship with God? Most importantly, is it something that God smiles on? After all, his opinion of your work matters more than anybody else's. After a hard day's labor, can you hear God whisper in your ear, well done? And that right there is what I'm going for. Like when I hit my head on that pillow at night, I want to think that God is saying, well done in the way that I work. And that doesn't mean that you have to be living a job that's, you know, ministry-based like a pastor or whatever. Just doing a good job at your job and doing it in a way that shows that you're thankful to God to even have a job and enjoying it. And for me, using the platform that I have to share my faith on here when I can and living your life in a way where people know your faith by your works and by the way that you're living and, you know, having someone see you and say, oh, like something looks different here. This person is living their life in a way that seems a little bit different. He talks about not compartmentalizing. I love this section. He says, this is why we have to go to war with sacred secular ideology because it essentially compartmentalizes God. We have our God box and then our work box and our rest box and our diet and exercise box and our entertainment box and our money box. And we cut up our life into all these tiny little pieces. God becomes a line item in our budget, a time slot in our daily routine. A building we go to every Sunday for a few hours. God is effectively shut out of the bulk of our lives. And so work is a big part of my life and God is also a big part of my life. And so those two sometimes do intertwine or they actually always intertwine. That's literally what he's saying. It's not something where you just put it in a box and you don't think about it or only on Sundays you think about it. And I know that 
because I am sharing this episode, I'm not going to be for everyone. Like, not everyone is going to enjoy listening to this podcast. Not everyone's going to enjoy watching my videos when I share about my faith. But the cool thing is I'm not doing this for the praise of man. And I think anyone listening knows that whenever we just seek to get the approval of others, we are never going to be satisfied. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So that being said, he is my accountability. And at the end of the day, he is the one that I want to look upon the way that I'm living my life and the way that I'm working my life and to say, well done. I just wanted to end with a little section kind of sharing if you're listening and you have no idea what it means to be a Christian, you think I am truly crazy, you think I'm very stupid that I believe these things, I totally understand because I thought all this stuff sounded really wacky before I really started learning about it and living it out. And so I wanted to share kind of a few resources about like next steps if this is something that you're interested in. I do get a lot of DMs about growing your relationship with God, becoming a Christian, why I am. And so I wanted to share this. The first one I would say is just to spend time with other Christians. If you know people in your life who claim to be a Christian, you know, take some time with them, go out to lunch with them, hang out at their house, see how they live their life and ask them questions, ask them how in the world they could believe a man in the sky or whatever you think could create this world and just kind of pick their brain. I think it's good to actually be around people rather than, you know, googling resources or trying to kind of read books. But physically being around other people is the easiest way to get to know more about faith. Secondly, I think just reading on your own. I obviously mentioned a few books, but if you want to kind of see them again, Making Sense of God by Tim Keller, I think is a great one. The Reason for God is another one that's by Tim Keller that's really good. And if you just want to read the Bible, which I think is the best place to start, but a lot of people don't really know when they pick up their Bible where to start, I think the book of John is a really good place to start to actually learn who Jesus is, why people follow him, why people believe his teachings. I think that that one is really good. And then lastly, I know this one is kind of hard with COVID and we're struggling with this too because it's just not necessarily the same but that's just to go to church. Like, go to church, get connected, be in a group. Obviously, you can't do that everywhere. I know a lot of places you can't go to church, and I mean, we're going right now, but it's definitely not the same. You don't really interact with people, so it's not quite the same as it used to be, but I think in a non-COVID world, this would also be a great place to start. And that is everything that I pretty much have to say. When I was planning this episode, I thought of like a million other topics I would like to talk about and I really wanted to go off on a lot of different directions but I kind of still wanted to keep this at a length that was easy to listen to and not me going off on a lot of tangents even though I'm sure I did go off on a lot of tangents but that is my faith it's something that's really personal to me I don't have all the answers nor do I think anyone has all the answers and if anyone claims to have all the answers they're probably wrong but I hope you guys enjoyed it again very personal but I like to do these every now and then I think it gives you a better sense of me I respect people of all other religions as well so this is just me sharing my story I know I have a lot of followers who are Muslim and Hindu and all sorts of in-between religions so this is just me sharing mine, and I hope it was something that you enjoyed listening to, but I will catch you guys in the next episode. That is a very exciting episode. I have a very special guest, a guest who you will not want to miss because it's someone that I talk about 
all the time and I am actually fangirling to get to talk to because she has just truly changed my life since March of 2020 and you can probably guess who it is but I'm really excited so make sure you guys come back for the next episode. So thankful for you guys and I will chat with you guys in my next episode. Bye friends. Oh, 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 o